Hello. Whitney, how you doing? I'm good. How are you, Scott? Hey, doing good today, man. The uh, AC went out in the office. Oh, boy. And, and it's 104 today. <laughs> so I'm shooting this bad boy from home on the couch. Wow. That is, yeah. that's, that's hot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's how we like to do it down here, man. Good. How are things been going with you, brother? Good. Yeah, can't complain. It's going really good. Yeah? Fantastic. Yeah, you got any Growing fun plans for the weekend? No, no, just, uh, yeah. Or we just brought number three home or through adoption, you know, just uh, a couple weeks ago. And so we're still getting in another routine, you know, there and, and, uh, uh, no, just some work and try to some, get some family time, man. That's the good work, man. Number yeah. three, huh? Yeah. Yeah. How old's number three? She is, uh, she'll be a, actually on Monday, she'll be a month old. Wow. Congratulations, brother. Thank you. Thank you very much. That's awesome. Wow. Did you did you know this was a route that you wanted to take uh, with well, your life? Adoption. With building a family like that? Yeah. We we didn't and it's a it's a big story, but uh my wife and I were never we had never discussed adoption and we heard a pastor, David Platt, uh, one night he does a thing called Secret Church and it's been many years ago now, but uh um eight years ago. Um he was talking about caring for orphans and widows and how his family had adopted and long story short on our way home we were we were like well why would we not adopt we couldn't think of a good reason not and so not to and so within a week we turned in our application to adopt from ethiopia and two years to the month we our first son came home from ethiopia and then um just going through that roller coaster and and then obviously the blessing too of our son we we decided to do it again and then now we've done it a third time so that's fantastic man uh, I'll have to I'll have to dig around more. I'm sure you've shared online some about those stories before. A little bit, yeah. A little bit, okay. yeah. Okay, yeah. I'd love to I'd love to hear it sometime. Yeah, the, yeah, the long version of what that's like. I have uh, I'm 34, and uh, I've thought about that quite a bit for myself too. About like, hey, you know, what uh, what would that look like? Yeah. And uh, what what does that path look forward to? And something that uh, I always had this dream to create. Um like my residence, like an orphanage and a Montessori school. Wow. All on like one piece of property together. Because my family is all Montessori educators. Okay. So that, something we always talked about was like, if you could control like the school life and you could control the home life, you could really impact people because you'd yeah. have, you could take all different types of kids, but if you control the 360 of the environment, the level of impact becomes uh, exponentially greater. So no doubt. I don't know. But I'd love to hear oh, more about it sometime. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm happy to Probably share about adoptions too. We, we've scheduled numerous calls, my wife and I, with other couples just, you know, to answer questions from our experience if they're interested in adopting. Very cool, man. Well, let's let's kick off the Real Estate Nerd Show here and, and get it. through this one. And uh, and then we'll have to circle back later about how I get these <laughs> adoptions. <laughs> cool. Hi, and welcome to the Real Estate Nerds Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Royal Smith. I'm the owner of Royal Legal Solutions. If you're wondering about saying, like, where is Scott's professional studio today? The uh, air conditioning in the office broke down, and it is 104 degrees in Austin, Texas today. So I'm shooting this from my very luxurious, very comfortable, and very spacious couch in my living room. It's very prestigious. Does not befit uh, my guest, uh, uh, Whitney, here uh, today. And, uh, but uh, Whitney is gracious enough to shoot the show for us. Um, and, 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 uh, in any event, 
So uh, I'm wondering, uh, would you like to kick us off with a little bit of background about you and um, what uh, what our guests would need to know about you to understand the the deal that we're going to be talking about today? Yeah. So specific deal, right? Yeah. Right, so we're going to talk about like a best deal or a worst deal. Yep. And so uh, if you want to just set the stage for them of like who sure. you were coming into this deal, what's going on in your life so we can kind of get a picture of that. Yeah. So awesome. Uh, yeah. And thank you, Scott, for the opportunity to be on your show. I, I'll tell the listeners you, uh, you were show number 12 on my show and now we've done over 300. So, uh, but we'll have to have you back. Uh, we should do, we should do another one, but, uh, but so before this property that we'll talk about today a little bit, and, and I'll give you a, a worst case scenario instead of the good one that probably everybody likes to talk about all the time. Right. Um, but so back in, um, or many years ago now, but I was in the military. I spent a year overseas, come home, trying to figure out what, you know, I was going to be good at doing, what was I qualified to do. Um, and policing was, you know, a kind of a shoe in after the military training and all that. And so became Kentucky state police. And then, um, I really enjoyed that. I mean, I would have almost done it for free. However, you couldn't make any money. Right. I mean, it was just, yeah. it was never, I could never see making, you know, more than mid forties probably unless I promoted numerous times and maybe I get to 50,000, you know, at some point, uh, you know, 20 years later. And so, uh, you know, working every night, weekend and holiday and it just, or, or just working tons of overtime to make, you know, a, a decent living. And then, uh, but the first whole year of marriage, we just passed each other in the hallway. And so I was like, okay, I've got to find something else. So, uh, in came real estate. And so, you know, I was uh, hot and heavy on like finding real estate and, you know, finding a deal, all these things. And at that time, you know, I'd, I had no real estate background, no experience, no, uh, nobody in my family were entrepreneurs and not at that time anyway, and uh, just no experience. Uh, however, you know, I tried to educate myself some, uh, I would say not enough. And then um, I, you know, and in a market that I wasn't as familiar with, it was a couple of hours from me, uh, we purchased a, uh, a couple triplexes. And so all that, you know, so it was in an effort to obviously increase our income. I didn't think at the time that it would, it would turn into what it has today, uh, but, uh, you know, into something uh, a lot bigger than that. But it was just looking for some, some extra income as that police officer, um, you know, where I could support our family. I'd still plan to probably be a police officer at that time. Um, but that's kind of where I was at. That's, you know, uh, why I was looking into real estate and why I purchased this property that we'll talk about. So is this property that we're going to talk about, this is one of your worst deals and it was one of those triplexes? Yeah, I bought them both at the same time. They were kind of one property and yes, it was the worst. Yeah. So every bad deal actually starts off, we think it's a great deal, right? That's what gets mm -hmm. us in there. What is that drew you to the tri triplexes that kind of like seductively lured you into the siren song of dismay and peril of, of financial decisions? You know, you know, that property, um, I would say I was just very uneducated too about real estate. I mean, very, I was too trusting, you know, of other people in the industry such as realtors and, uh, you know, specifically. And, uh, and so I, you know, I didn't, I, while I thought I could run some numbers, I didn't understand it well enough. Um, and there were so many things that, uh, that I didn't understand, but, but I was thinking that, okay, you know, if I could, if it could cash flow $50 a door, maybe a hundred dollars a door, you know, that's a pretty good, pretty good chunk of income. Um, you know, especially on the income we were, we were living on at the time. I mean, that would, that would be great. Uh, and so that was kind of my thinking, but, but I did not uh, understand underwriting and, and dig in enough. 
so you're on this deal solo or did you partner with anybody on here that was more experienced than you into the deal? So there's a big problem. I did not. I did not. I didn't have anyone and I didn't have a good network. I didn't know really anybody in real estate. (laughs) I didn't, I, I, you know, it was just like jumped right in and, and didn't know anybody in the business. Didn't know anybody in this market hardly uh, that was in real estate, you know, not at all. Um, I did somehow I got somebody to to partner with pretty much bring some, some hard money and uh, you know, to partner and make the deal happen. But, uh, um, and they were paid everything they were supposed to get, but, uh, but it, it just, yeah, it didn't work the way that I had planned. Yeah. So um, tell, let's walk through the deal then. So, so you started off in the deal. Sounds great. When was your first warning sign of saying, Hey man, maybe this deal isn't as good as I thought it was going to be. Couldn't keep it rented for one. And I was, I, I then moved to the area about the same time and was self-managing and it was very difficult to rent. And then, uh, I mean, that was probably kind of sign number one, number two, obviously some things started happening with um, the maintenance issues and things like that, that uh, we can get into as well. Uh, But the first thing it was, it was difficult to rent. Is there any way you could have known um, how difficult the property would have been to rent um, ahead of time, if you would have known then what you know now? I should have asked for just, I mean, more details for one. And so we asked for some details and the realtor really just kind of pushed us off like, oh no, you know, the, the uh, most sellers aren't going to give out that, that information or, but this is probably, you know, about what it is. And, and we didn't know any better, honestly, <laughs> you know, I felt like I could trust this individual and, and I should have been, you know, more demanding as far as, no, I need, you know, this information or else, you know, walk away from the opportunity or the deal I'll say, or the property when the deal, uh, but, but even done some more just due diligence of, of the market itself, maybe even um, some other units in that area, you know, other duplexes, triplexes called for rent signs, you know, seeing, you know, what they were renting for, just done more due diligence uh, firsthand around that property in that specific area of the town and, and really dug into other properties that were surrounding it and, and even called uh, even the, for rent signs in, in this property's yard, just to ask questions like I was looking to rent, you know, just some things like that, that uh, could have helped me to have understood a little more about maybe some issues that they're having uh, at, you know, in this area. Very cool. And so, so there's like a couple of different things you mentioned in there saying, Hey, maybe I could have pressed harder to say, you know, I really do need that information for me to go on the deal or maybe even consider walking. Uh, maybe checking other resources for, you know, how are things renting in the area, maybe contacting other renters that are nearby um, or property owners that are nearby and see what they can do for their rent rolls. Um, did I hit all of them? Was that, was, was yeah, pretty much. Uh, but I mean, yeah, just been more demanding for a, a longer term rent roll instead of just maybe a month or two or, you know, even six months, but give me a longer term rent roll. So I understand the numbers better, but even then I didn't understand numbers that well at all. So, um, you know, I, di- I didn't realize how much information that would have given me if I had been a little more demanding about getting those documents. All right, man. Uh, so what, what's the net result of that property? Did you end up trying to flip it or what did you end up doing with it? We, we ended up selling it and we ended up, uh, I mean, we, we didn't make a penny on it personally. Uh, I would say I lost lots of time and sleep, you know, over that property. And and it wasn't a massive financial loss. It was more of a time loss. However, um, we did learn a lot 
you know, we did learn a lot. We missed a lot of due diligence stuff that, that, you know, I, I know now going forward. Um, and, and one, one big thing I would say about that is having, uh, you know, and I didn't know any better at the time. I hired somebody, somebody from a, a big name company to do an inspection and, you know, the property and, and, and I followed him around every nook and cranny, uh, in the attics to every, every corner you can think of. However, you know, he's not a, like a, a heat HVAC specialist, you know, and it just didn't hit me. I didn't know any better at the time that I should probably find somebody that's HVAC, HVAC specialist to look at these units, you know, and really give me some, some solid information. Well, you know, how old is this unit? You know, what's the first thing it's going to go wrong with it? How much life do I have left here? What's it going to cost me? You know, when I do replace it, what am I looking at here? You know, and, and just some things like that, that I should have had more specialists give me some more advice uh, on, on just due diligence altogether uh, that I didn't get that really hurt us in the long run. Is there a resource that maybe you produced or, or maybe like a, a book that you know of um, that has that detailed out saying like, here's the key things that I would know. Here's what I want to check. Here's what I want to bring specialists in. Um, you know, the, that gamut of what your learning experience has been. You know, um, uh, Brian, I think it's Brian Hennessy. I'm trying to remember his name, the due diligence handbook. You look it up on Amazon. Um, there's a, there's a blue one and a yellow one. And I would recommend that it's been a while since I've been through that, but, uh, but I would recommend that he's got a whole course too, just on due diligence that I would recommend. Very cool. Well, that's, that's a really great, uh, you know, really great uh, piece today. I, I was with some of my investment uh, friends over this last weekend and we were talking about bad deals and what the true cost of bad deals are or making a deal that isn't great. And they were telling me that as they get uh, wealthier and wealthier, they're actually taking more money and putting it into fewer deals, but they're really sure. I mean, they're inventing the heck out of those few deals to make sure that it comes into less time. And I think it has everything to do with how they're protecting their time. Because right? I'd say that a bad deal will stick up 80% of their time and they're trying to correct a bad deal. Whereas a good deal typically will just run. And so they're like, you can't really afford that many bad deals because then you actually just run out of time mm. uh, to be even to correct your mistakes um, into it. And so the, that's where they get more selective. Um, does that jive with you? I see you nodding over there. It, it does. Of course, th this was in this was in 2009 and 2009, 10, even even in that time in the market, we still messed up, you know, or paid too much even, you know, for this property. And if, if you can imagine that. And uh, so, you know, and I would say, you know, it was a big learning experience. We learned many things from that property, which is paid forward now, you know, that's been obviously 10 years ago. Uh, but, uh, you know, many deals now we've done a lot better, obviously, you know, we're doing a lot bigger stuff now. It's a very different business we're in now than what I ever imagined at that time. But I met this guy, you know, months after owning that pro owning this property in a neighboring town that was a lot larger. And he was a very big real estate guy there. He owned lots of lots and lots of properties in this town. And, you know, I was in his office one day and asking him questions. And he was really the first person that was like, that I, you know, got to meet that was like, I mean, just really had a very successful real estate business and was sitting in his office and, you know, I was telling him about this property and, and he just, you know, I mean, he could read it on my face. I'm sure, you know, he's been in the business long enough uh, that this property was struggling. And he just said, he got to tell me about his first property and how bad it was. And I'll never forget. And he just said, the best thing we ever did was to sell it, cut our losses, be done with it. 
and learn from it and, and, and not lose all the time, just like you're saying. And this property did the same thing. It, it just ate up my time. I was going there just every day, either to show it to a tenant or to, to work on something or to fix something or, you know, it was just something all the time. There's so many things, obviously, now we know to do different or, or better. But, uh, uh, but yes, it just eats up your time when it's that, that bad property. Very, very cool. I like to, to uh, wrap every episode with like a lesson learned um, uh, from it. So today, one of the things I learned from when you talked when you was really talking about, um, you know, it's just being bold, you know, go get bold and get it to the bad deal, uh, but work your way out of it, you know, and don't be too afraid to act uh, to just get in there. You know, I think a lot of times, um, um, you know, a lot of times people would say, Hey, well, you know, this is a bad deal. You know, maybe he should have partnered with somebody. Maybe he should have, uh, got a, uh, uh, you know, some type of mentor maybe to, to help coach you, coach him through it. Yes. Uh, sure. And I'd say, yeah, well, uh, you know, if uh, hindsight being perfect, right. But the other side to it is that, you know, like those are the hard lessons sometimes that leave us with the scars that give us the reminder of saying, you know, this is why you don't rush. You know, that's it's right. Because you rush by moving faster, you make more money. Now it's rushing is where you actually pay the big prices. Uh, you don't make any money. You sucks up all your time and it leaves you with these scars that you're like, Oh, it smokes. I'm never going to forget that one. You know, into right. that, there's something good about that. So yeah, I, I would uh, say I didn't educate myself enough either. And I should have had some kind of mentor, somebody that I could ask all those questions to, you know, that about the property, especially just brand new to the business. Uh, so, and I didn't have that at that time. Excellent. Well, if you were going to leave uh, the audience with a lesson learned from, from your talk today, Whitney, what would that be? Obviously educate yourself. I really liked how you brought up a mentor. I can't recommend having the right mentor. It's not just anybody, uh, but there's numerous things you need to know about finding the correct mentor, but finding, finding a mentor is really what uh, projected my syndication business, you know, and helped me to see something bigger than the small multifamilies that, you know, we did for many years or single families, those types of things uh, to, to where we're at now. And so having the right mentor and educating yourself, um, those are just a couple big things. Uh, obviously your mindset, your why, all those things that we've, uh, we've worked on for a couple of years now, just uh, on and on and on, just building on those things and have really helped our business in a big way. That's awesome. And for anybody that wants to reach out for you, who, what kinds of people are you trying to connect with and what's the best way for them to connect with you? Yeah, I mean, we're always connecting with people in the commercial real estate space. Obviously, mostly investors are who we're looking for as, as most. But, uh, um, you know, anybody that's looking to connect with us, uh, even our, our big why is helping families in the adoption process we, of children. And we do that through uh, the real estate syndication business. And, and, you know, you can find me at lifebridgecapital.com. You can email me, Whitney, at lifebridgecapital.com. You can text or call 540-585-4338. And uh, that's my personal cell phone. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on the Real Estate Nerds today. Um, everybody that, uh, thank you for tuning in to it. Of course, uh, my name is Scott Royal Smith. I'm the owner of Royal Legal Solutions, your one-stop shop for everything real estate investor related. So um, thank you so much for coming on the show, guys, and uh, keep tuning in. My pleasure, Scott. Thanks.